Welcome back to another episode of TA at Home with Barry and Callie. This is Callie. This is Barry. And this week we have returning guests, both of them, which is a new thing for TA at Home. (laughs) Hey, Sean Webb, who I think now is just a co-host, given the number of times you've been on. (laughs) And John Moore making his second appearance as well. Thanks for coming on, guys. Of course. Yeah, I think this is my, is it my third or fourth time? I think third. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just happy I got the, the, the callback, you know, it's like that, <laughs> that bad audition that you have. And, and like, what? It was long overdue. You're still, that was, you were only like our third episode and it's still one of my favorites. Um, I feel like too, like we're returning guests and people are going to be like, listen, I do not want to hear from Kayshawn anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I I promise you, if anything, it's more like, I do not want to hear from Callie and Barry again. (laughs) I know we may need to start getting some like guest hosts and like we take breaks from this. So what's up guys? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice, nice intro, Barry. <laughs> right, right, right. What's up? So the reason, uh, outside of just missing Kayshawn and John and wanting them on the show, the reason we brought them back on sure. um, with it being Mental Health Awareness Month was just to specifically expand on Kayshawn, some conversation you had on your last time on the show, where we started to kind of skim the surface of the mental health stigma in the Black community specifically. So wanted to get an opportunity to kind of expand on that, continue the mental health conversation. Um, All four of us have been open about kind of talking about our experiences with that. So just want to continue the conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to preface this right right off the bat, though, with saying I am by far not an expert in mental health (laughs) by any means. However, um, I, th- I think it's it's important to share more so experiences that, that we've gone through um, and the education that I feel like I've learned over the past, uh, I would say, uh, diving deeper into it the past two to three years. Um, so <laughs> I always just want to put out that, right? I'm not an expert. Uh, I, everything I say is not golden. I was going to say, conversely, I am an expert with mental health and, and th- therapy. So everything that I say, you know, this is hard stuff. So I'm the opposite. Well, Kayshawn says it's gospel. The rest of us just take it with a grain of salt. Exactly. But yeah, so, I think just to kind of, you know, recap my experience with, with counseling and therapy, um, I guess at this point, I would have been going to my therapist now for like six, seven months at this point. I started off going weekly, um, had a lot to talk about and a lot to cry about and a lot to yell about. Um, and then probably at the new year, I went from every week to one, you know, bi-weekly every other week. Um, and those, you know, bi-weekly seems like months, you know, between the things that kind of come up within those two weeks. But, um, you know, I'm having so many new conversations now with family members and with friends, you know, all people of color really in this space of mental health in our, you know, community. And there's a lot of, you know, mixed reactions from people. Um, But I do think that the tide is turning um, when it comes to the way the Black, um, our, our culture, like Black culture views mental health. I do think the tide is turning. What do you think was the biggest factor in, for lack of a better word, let's say delaying that kind of push towards breaking the stigma within your community? I think it's just more of us doing it. And then as John mentioned, just sharing those experiences. You know, I I talk about it, you know, I was actually, I went out to Six Flags over the weekend and, you know, I met. I met two guys for the first time who my friend introduced me to. And like within that introduction that day, you know, in talking with them, therapy got brought up. And, and, and you know, my friend said, oh yeah, my therapist said this, which kind of prompted me to say, oh yeah, well my therapist, you know, informed me on this. And just sharing these experiences in, you know, common spaces often, um, I think is, is really what's um, helping to turn that out. Yeah, I think it's that. <clears throat> and I also think it's, it's like Keisha said, like the people who are stepping out to do it 
are are being vocal about it, right? Like I, I will be the first to say is that um, it took me a very long time to get to therapy. <laughs> like so, I've been doing therapy now for I want to say almost three and a half to four years because because of the stigma of it, right? Like it, it, it's not like it was a new concept of like, hey, therapy. There's this thing called therapy, and like it will help you, right? Like you hear about that as an African American, you know, as a kid and it used to be just the stigma of, oh, if you, you're going to therapy, you must be crazy. <laughs> you know, like you got something wrong with you or something of that nature. Um, <clears throat> and I think within our communities, you know, we we create this thought of if you do that, then you're broken, right? Like that's the reason that you're going. Whereas, you know, the truth of it is, is that you're just helping yourself. It's, it's things that you don't understand that someone who is professionally trained can help you to identify some of those things, right? And so like, I think the more that we talk about it, the more it becomes uh, accepted, the, the more we build. Like jokingly, Keyshawn, right before you got on here, like, I was just telling, you know, Callie and Barry is a like mind blowing therapy session with my therapist a couple weeks ago was, I don't understand emotions at all, you know? So like, we just sat down and just said, hey, let's talk about the emotions that you feel for things that happen that make you feel this way. And for every emotion, I was like, oh, I'm frustrated. And so we, we just went through, he's just like, that's not true. You know, like, it, it's not true at all. He's like, let's go through each emotion and, and the description and the definition of that emotion and then tie it to those things. And then, you know, again, why do you need a therapist? Because he put it in ways that I don't understand as being an African-American and an athlete, you're always taught like, hide your emotions, don't have emotions. You know, if you cry, suck it up. If you're hurt, push through it. Like that's just the mindset of an athlete. And then also that's the mindset in the African-American community. Hey, you know, I'm feeling depressed. Get over it, you're, you're fine. Like, you know, it's, it's always that. So we don't know what those emotions are. So like sitting there and going through those emotions um, with my therapist, I'm sitting there like, man, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't communicate my emotions with anyone prior to that moment. I walked out of that session and I <laughs> went straight to my wife and I was like, hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I have clearly <laughs> given the wrong emotions over and over again, but that's just like a small example of how, because of the stigma, we stick away from it, right? Like talking about emotions, that would never, that's not comfortable for me. I, I don't like to express my emotions. And so to go through that, you know, and to be able to learn from that, it, it's huge, it's, it's mind blowing. And the more I can communicate that with other people, the more that hopefully someone else can go through those, those same exercises to be able to release some of those you know, damages that you've had in your past, you know? I think it leads into something interesting. It, it, my question for you is, do you think being male has also impacted your thoughts on therapy or other people's reactions to your being in therapy? Like what part do you think gender plays in all of that? A huge part, huge part. You know, I, I mean, I think it's all, it's, it's all somewhat connected without being, you know, directly connected, right? But like, when I think about myself, and, and that's the one thing that kind of sharing these thoughts that I come from therapy with and sharing it and talking it and like listening and hearing myself say it, it helps out as well. But like, as a man, you know, like it's, hey, you got to be strong, you got to be tough, you, you, you know, these type of or actions or behaviors, those are soft, quote unquote, right? Why are you crying? Be tough, like suck it up. That That's not only male, but it's obviously African-American community. And then you know, think about the, you know, the, the concept of being strong, being a male and being in sports, right? Like, so the one comment that I, I know now that it makes me feel so much differently now because I have a daughter, right? But it's like, oh, you play like a girl. Like, what does that mean exactly, right? But that's the mindset that you've always, you know, been taught growing up. It's like, don't, don't, don't cry like a little girl. You know, sports isn't for sissies and things like that nature that's the, 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 the piece that's always built and you're taught. Um, and, and then you get to that point where it's like, all that is, 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 is misogynistic, but it's like, it, it's not realistic, right? It, that's, that's not how it is. When you cry, it, it's okay. You know, like that's just, so I think that being a male has a huge part of it and how our society looks at that. Um, and then it's doubled down with the athlete. It's doubled down with the African-American community. It's doubled down with people who look at things negatively and so then you're afraid to kind of share that, you know, but once you kind of get past that, I think, I think it's a, it, it's a world of difference. Yeah. I think it brings up a really good point because I think it's, you know, being an athlete, being a male, I also think it's a bit generational and cultural, depending on 
where you were raised, how you were raised, right? Because I think it's it goes without saying that millennials and Gen Z are really like disrupting the mental health and therapy industry, right? Like before, like our parents probably didn't go to therapy. Our parents probably were hesitant to tell us to go to therapy if needed. But these days, these kids and, and people our age are like, yeah, why wouldn't I go to therapy? Like, why wouldn't I talk about my emotions? Um, and I think that's really great. I think it's, it's becoming more and more normal and not so stigmatized. Yeah. And I mean, you know, think about what happened, a, you know, a year ago, right? We went through a year of uh, racial, you know, reckoning in the country. Um, and I actually read somewhere that they said that the numbers of Black people going to therapy, like skyrocketed. Right. And if I if I think about it, I my first time going was last fall. Right. You know, I was suddenly having conversations almost every day about, you know, childhood trauma, you know, at work and in my personal lives, like all the time. So I have all of these different things, um, all these thoughts, new thoughts, you know, re revisiting old thoughts. Um, and I, I got to a point where I'm like, I have to talk to somebody. I have to have somebody help organize these thoughts and, and you know, display what patterns I have. So I think that, um, I think that what happened last year really helped move the needle for a lot of black people in this country to say that, yeah, like my, you know, my homeboys, my homegirls, like they're great, but you know, I'm not gonna come to you for professional advice because you don't have the, the resources and the training to, to really be able to identify certain patterns. And I, I really do think that for a lot of black people, we do turn to our community as that mental health support, right? You do go to your pastor, you do go to your uncle, you do go to the barber shop, right? Like that's really where, you know, that's the accepted form of quote, quote therapy. So I think that that type of um, expectation transcends down generation to generation. And to Barry's point, yeah, we're the generation, the millennials and the, and the Gen Zers, we're the ones saying, yeah, that's great. Um, but that hasn't worked out for you guys totally. So we're gonna try something new. Um, and whether that's finding you a person of color as a therapist, I would recommend to, to fellow people of color um, who are skeptical of it. Maybe you find somebody who looks like you um, who could, you know, better relate to your past, you know, trauma and experiences. That's what I did. I, you know, my, my therapist is Black, um, and, you know, that has turned out to be beneficial to me and, and helped to ease me into talking to a stranger. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, like, finding the right person is key, right, because I, I, I will say I've been fortunate, like, you know, to be able to find the person that I feel like helps me out personally, but like, he wasn't the first person I went to. So like, and I think that's another thing that happens because like, as an African-American, I'm already, I'm already skeptical about it. And then I go to this person and, you know, after a session or two, I'm like, this, this isn't helping, right? And most people will be like, hey, I'm done. That's it. See, I told you it didn't work and, and I'm out. And I think I, I would implore people to say, I'm going to give it, I'm, I'm going to try to find the person that matches me, right, and that's what I had to go and do as well, like after, you know, going to a person, I was like, nope, that's not, that's not, that's not going to help me, I went to someone who looked like me, who could understand where I come from, and that became, it, it was easier, and then it became, you know, easier for me to, to open up and to really, you know, let loose, I think a, a, another thing is, is that I think a lot of people are really truly, and, and I'm a lot of people, right? I was one of those people, are, are really truly to unpack some of the, you know, childhood traumas or traumas, period, that they have gone through, because then you're somewhat reliving that, and you have to take accountability. And I think I would be the first person to say that, like, not that I didn't want to take accountability, but it's tough to hear that in some of those cases, you're the problem, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like, and, and I think that was a, a big one for me. Like, I, I I had a very much so I'll run away and I will disregard someone in a heartbeat, but I was part of that problem, right? Instead of being able to talk about it and communicate it and handle it the way it should be, I would just get mad, get angry and leave, right? And so like, I think that's a, a lot of people's fear as well of, 
now you've taken the first step to get into therapy. Now you really have to unpack some very deep issues in a lot of those issues, you're probably at the center of them. And that's hard, you know, like that's, that's very hard to hear, but it's very useful, you know, information on how to proceed forward and not be the issue. And I think that's what's important as well. I think that's a really good point. And it's every single episode we've done that has had kind of a mental health tie-in that has come up, right? Finding the right person someone you trust, but that doesn't mean finding someone that agrees with everything you say and says it's the rest of the world that's the problem. You're perfect, right? Um, that's not what you're looking for when you talk about Wait, kind your of shopping. don't say that to you? <laughs> that's why I'm shopping around for therapists, right? And um, I think another thing you said, Keishan, really stuck out to me too, right? In terms of, you know, your friends and, you know, in some cases that is all you need, you know, therapy isn't what everyone needs. Um, but I also think even millennials are guilty of a lot of dangerous, you know, memes and stuff like that, that say, you know, my friends are my therapists, wine is my therapist, you know, and that's just such a, it's such a bad narrative to put out in the world. Um, you know, I think that's not, you shouldn't compare those two things, right? If your friends or people you talk to, great but that's not therapy. <laughs> you know, there's, there should be a very fine line between those two things. They're, they're not the same. And I think we need to kind of keep talking about that because I think that can confuse people too. Yeah. I mean, we just have to continue to see people that look like us, you know, the advocates of this. I, you know, I saw something recent, I don't know where, but Michelle Obama was talking about the struggles of, you know, depression with her and, and, and Barack. And, you know, this is, you know, the Obamas is, is definitely kind of a pillar to a lot of people in the country, definitely to a lot of Black people, you know, depending on putting politics aside, they are a, um, an example of, you know, what that Black, what Black excellence can look like at the highest level. So seeing like people like, you know, Michelle Obama talk about how she struggled with depression, I think, you know, for a lot of people, especially in our community, looked at that and said, well, if Michelle Obama can experience this and and get help with it, then certainly I can go get help with some of the things that, you know, that I struggle with. And, you know, I think the, this is all very deep rooted. And I think that, you know, mistrust is really the biggest um, culprit of this. So I think that whatever we can continue to do as a people, as society, as friends and family to help you know, um, deconstruct that is what we need to do, you know, and, and it's not a coincidence, it's not a coincidence, right? Like, I think that there's a a stigma with all cultures when it comes to mental health, right? A lot of people don't want to be viewed as crazy. and, And I think that's probably not synonymous to Black people, but what is synonymous to Black people is the medical establishment has not always been fair to us, right? you know, a, a black black women are, are more likely to die when it comes to giving birth than white women. Like this is a fact, right? And it's not a coincidence that more black people die, you know, it's because they're not being treated the same way. So I think that when you look at the medical establishment overall, we have to continue to kind of push back and question a lot of the, the way we've been treated in the past. I think that's gonna also help get us to the place where we need to be in the space. Very true statement. That's all I yeah. say. Very Drops true. the mic. Interview <laughs> over. So, so canceled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I agree 100%. Like, I, I don't think you could say it any better. You know, like, I think um, in a lot of cases, and not just mental health as well. Like, when you think about what we're going through now, our today's society, right? Like, the vaccine. There's so many people like, and our community is like, ah, no, man, like, I, I just don't trust it, you know, and, and for good reason of a, a, a lot of distrust in the medical, you know, field. But I think, yeah. you know, I, I think the biggest thing is, like you said, building back that trust. And, and I think it's the, the education of it, right? I, I was very hesitant at first to get it. Um, and, and then I, again, just did more and more and more research on you know, the effects, the benefits, the, the you know, the downfalls to it and, and understanding how that affects, you know, my family. I think one of the craziest things too is that like, and, and I'm, I used to be like super guilty of this, right? Is that 
I think this generation, it's very interesting when we talk about like trust and things of that nature, because this generation has the power to know everything, right? Like everything is at your fingertips. You have Google, you can do like the research. And it's amazing how like they have, we, we have that ability to do so, but we still trust outdated things that have to been told to you that are not accurate, right? We haven't done the research for those things. So like the therapy and things of that nature, you know, I just remember when I was a kid, you know, like my, my family was like, yeah, crazy people go to therapy. But if you do the research, no, they don't. Like <laughs> crazy people don't go to therapy, right? Like that, that's why it happens. Same thing with the vaccines and things of that nature. So I think the, the research part of it is, is huge as well. Like we have to do our, our own research. And, and before I never did, you know, until it got to the point where I, I like, I felt like I had to, right? So many miss um, quotes and information out there and things that you're told as growing up that just is not true whatsoever, right? right. But we have the power to do so. And I, and I think it's crazy that we don't. So I think the the trust piece of it is huge, but I also think we need to do our own research on things and come with facts instead of emotions and, and, and opinions. And oh, my mom right. this, you know, 20 years ago type deal. Right. And that's us taking accountability ourselves to say, like, I actually am in control at, you know, my my mental health and not just my physical health. I don't have to be a victim in this space. So I agree 100 percent. Was there, John, was there a thing that happened that moved you over the finish line to go seek somebody or was it just a number of things that happened? Um, it, it was it was a buildup of things, but like I. <laughs> because I have this conversation with Jamila all the time, right? I give her a lot of credit for a lot of things because, I, and even this is not like my selfless plug to I love my wife, but it kind of is, right? Because like- Say it. <laughs> right, like I love her to death, but like she's like the most amazing woman I, I've, I've ever met. And, and, and one of the reasons is, is that like when we first started dating, like she was like, hey man, you're so um, reserved and, and like I like people like people know me as this social person I, I like I love the party get out have a great time but when it comes to like emotions and feelings and dealing with trauma I don't do well I instead I just close down and I'm just like all right it didn't matter who it was like I'm closing the door on you like we're done <laughs> this relationship is over I'll talk to you in in however long right um and, and I think she was one of the first people to say hey I'm not gonna allow you to do that right and so she was like no, you're not going to shut me out. And then she just kept suggesting, like, you should try therapy, right? A big thing, a couple of my friends was like, hey, man, you should try, like, antidepressants and those stuff. And I'm like, that's just not who I am. Nothing against that, but that, like, I didn't want to be dependent on, in my mind is what I thought it was, dependent on a pill or something to, to make me feel better. I, I want to feel better because of myself. So I, I started to go through that. I have some family, like, getting into it with my family, like, hardcore. I moved here to Chicago. Hadn't talked to my family in like a year and a half to two years, met Jamila, you know, still struggling with a lot of traumas. And she just kept pushing, like, you should see someone, you should see someone. And then I finally was like, all right, I'm gonna go see somebody. And like I said, I saw somebody and it just wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't it, right? And then I talked to her, I was like, hey, I wouldn't go see somebody. The same thing I say to people, I was like, hey man, I, I'm that person, right? So I went to go see somebody. And I was like, see, I told you it wouldn't work, right? I gotta figure out my things on my own, like end of story. And literally she was like, here's four people that look like us that mm. you should you should check out. And so we went down this list and she was like, this is the person that I think that you should go to, <clears throat> but here's four that you should check out. And sure enough, the person I went to that she suggested, I, I remember like I went to the session, I got done with the session and I drove home and I was like living in the city. And I literally just went into my apartment, closed the door, lights all off and I just started bawling. And mm. I was like, what is happening? Like, is this... This is not like I'm like in tears, you know. And so I called her. And was like, "Hey, man, is this how therapy is supposed to be?" Like, I'm, <laughs> if it is, I'm, I'm not too sure I like it. But like, <laughs> you're like, I'm out. <laughs> right, all right. Like, I'm out. I'm out for a different reason. I'm out because he pulled on some strings of like just when I was being raised and how that affects me today. Right, like in one of the biggest things and one of the biggest fears I always have is like people leaving. But it's ironic because I was the person that always leave people, right? Like, I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm going to beat you to the punch. Mm -hmm. And so like, one of the first things we talked about is like, why is that? You know, like, why is that your biggest fear? But then that's exactly what you do. You know, so like, those are the things that like led me to get into therapy. And, and I give her the credit because, again, I probably would have just stopped. And she's like, you should go and see these people. So like, 
again, I love her to death, but she's always making me better. And that was one of the things that was like, take that step, you know, take that leap. And it was scary. And the best part about it is that she was with me through that scary point. Like there's so many times I was like, I don't think I'm going back next week. I, I can't, I can't. This whole crying thing, that's not me. <laughs> I'm not in, you know. So, like for my reasons for not wanting to go in the first place. I don't want to cry. Right, right. Like I, I was like, hey man, I don't like walking out of a meeting feeling like a baby every mm. single time because, you know, but but again, it's, it's unpacking a lot of those traumas that you don't think about affect your life today you know that's we, we right. talk about things that are 30 years ago and I'm like wow like that's still affecting me today and I can see the direct correlation between it it reminds me of a TikTok trend going around right now I always have to bring this back to TikTok oh my God. Seen it, but it's kind of like <laughs> people are talking about like the mosaic of your life right like I always touch the top of my car when I go through a yellow light because my best friend in high school always did that or like I always throw salt over my shoulder if I spill it because my grandpa used to do that right like you do things because people in your life always used to do it that way and I think it's kind of similar um, when it comes to therapy and and trauma and thinking back to like your childhood like we do a lot of the things we do where we act the way we act or where we react the way we react because of things that happened to us when we were younger and it's it's really Freudian a little bit but it's it's true and if you don't um talk about them or figure out why you do the things you do then it's it's hard to overcome them the ones that need to be overcome at least yeah I think so much of it is just self-preservation right and you know John you talk about leaving people but your biggest fear is that they're leaving you right so your brain deduces you're leaving before they get the chance to right and I think so much of what we do is for self-preservation but therapy helps you find tools for that same thing that are healthier, right? Yeah. Instead of leaving someone, you know, being able to communicate your fear of being left to that person and having them reinforce, like, they're not going anywhere. You know, having those conversations is a lot healthier than just, you know, walking away from every relationship that gets too intense, you know? I love the, my favorite part of these mental health episodes is everyone sharing the, their favorite piece of advice that their therapist ever gave them. So do you guys have any recent advice that your therapist has given you that really hit you, hit home and you want to share with the world? I don't know what Kayshawn's doing, but he seems like he's really thinking hard about this. Yeah. I'm going to pass it to John first. <laughs> yeah. I, I will share. I, I told my uh, therapist actually, <clears throat> he gave me my life model. Like I'm dead serious. Like I'm, I, this is it. This is how I'm going to live life moving forward. And, and I think it fits me very well, but he's always like, I think I get too invested in, in situations that I think that's one of my biggest um, issues, right? Is I got to explain the entire situation so that people understand it. And, and it doesn't matter what it is, big, small, in between. <clears throat> and I don't do well with putting it in ways where people feel like I'm not being, <clears throat> for lack of better words, an asshole, right? Like, it's just like, it comes out <laughs> and like, that's it. And, and so um, the one thing that my therapist shared with me is like, for all relationships, everything that I deal with, all communications, personalities, whatever it may be, it, I should just, I need to be bold, be quick, be gone, right? Be bold, say what you need to say, be quick. I don't need this full story. And then be gone. And at, at, at the in the be gone piece is what really stands out to me at the end because like we talk about a lot in my theory of provide people with the information they need to know and allow them to make the decision. You can't make the decision for them. So it, like that be gone piece is hey, I'm providing you with information that you need. However you deal with that information, that's up to you, right? <laughs> like, but you you have the information. And, and a prime example of that is just talking about like relationships and things of that nature like if you tell someone like hey this is a deal breaker they have that information at that point in time if they decide to break the deal that's not on you <laughs> you gave them the information but they told you exactly what you know they feel about you so I feel like that's the best advice I have be bold be quick be gone be done with the situation and I think that's huge for me I have a lot of deal breakers, but I know that that wasn't the point of that, your statement, but it, it just, when I heard the word deal breaker, it triggered me. I'm like, oof, I mean, that's why I'm dating life. But, you know, in terms of the best advice or the best conversations, I think 
you know, people view me as kind of similar to you, John, very confident, extroverted, um, you know, self-aware, which all that is probably true. <laughs> but I oftentimes like frame myself and I assign different negative connotations to who I am. Like, for example, when I when I got my dog Apollo, I remember talking to my therapist like, oh, my gosh, like I've been, you know, researching and 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 online all day long looking for this dog i'm obsessed with it and like i remember talking to him about that and in that in that moment he said wait a minute pause why why you say obsessed i'm like oh because i'm like very like you know impulsive i'm i'm obsessed with it he's like well you're bringing in like a new thing into your house you've never had a dog before so like wouldn't you think that you're being you know tenacious or you're being you know cautious and aware of you know, and being informed and, and it was important for him to call that out because I, I tend to, to label myself in these negative connotations and you keep saying it so often, you start to believe it or like, I'll say like, I'll, I'll give him, you know, an example and I say, oh yeah, I know I'm being dramatic, but he said, well, don't say that. You don't have to assign that to the situation. I'm like, well, everybody calls me dramatic. He said, so everybody's been calling you dramatic. So now you have taken on that I'm a dramatic person, you know, um, um, being, and, and I'm probably am not that dramatic if I probably, you know, look at my life and, and how I, you know, structure it. I'm probably more, you know, just cautious and the things that bother me are probably reasonable to be bothered by, right? So I think that, you know, by reframing, you know, how I talk about myself um, and really in real time with myself, check myself um has been the best advice it i'm able to look at things differently and um you know i, I think that you're, if you talk down to yourself so often it's like that confidence starts eroding you know what i mean because you think that your negative self comes first and i am no i'm cautiously i'm consciously intentionally um talking better about myself i'm, I'm being more um more what's the word I'm looking for more I'm giving myself some leeway right giving myself the benefit of the doubt right you think other people exactly you we give other people the benefit of the doubt but not ourselves so um, this, um that's what I'm doing it reminds me of something that um my therapist my therapist gave me a couple pieces of advice over the past couple months that honestly not to be dramatic here but probably changed my life but it reminds me of something that that you just said and it was like She's like, it's so strange, right? Because like, you know yourself better than anybody else, right? Yet you crumble at the words of someone else saying something about you or thinking something about you. Nobody knows who you really are, but you. And she's like, you've spent so many years criticizing yourself and it hasn't worked. Like, why don't you just try accepting yourself and see what happens? And so I did and like literally, everything for me changed. It was like a light switch, but it wasn't the people around me that changed. It was my own perspective of myself and the world that changed that I kept blaming other people for essentially. I think for me too, it, it comes back to self-preservation. You know, it's like, say the thing about you that you're worried people are thinking, like get ahead of it. You know, I make jokes all the time. Like I'm an acquired taste, you know, like stuff <laughs> like that. That's, that's a weird thing to tell people, but it is, I'm kind of setting myself up like, okay, if they don't like me, it's fine. I'm an acquired taste, you know? Right. Um, and I, I, I think a, uh, a lot of that comes down to childhood, right? I wasn't, I was bullied, you know, growing up. I, wasn't sure of myself. I had zero self-confidence. And then when I found that in college, the way I found it was to make fun of myself. Like I bullied myself <laughs> and it stuck, you know, people yeah. thought it was funny. And then, you know, I built off of that. Right. But looking back, was that the healthiest way to do it? Definitely not. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's this funny. Cause let's like, you know, people that know me well, Callie will probably laugh when I say this, like I've been a metaphor for me has been like, you're kind of like a long commute. Like you're kind of exhausting, like, right. Like people close to me would find me exhausting. And I, I realized like, I was always so offended by that, but then all of a sudden I was exhausted by myself. And I, like, I got tired 
of my own shit. Um, and so I started to like form, you know, new habits and do different things that I wasn't doing so that I could get to the next best, next best version um, of myself. And I think getting there and, and growing yourself is like one of the hardest things to do. But looking back, I think staying the same of who you are, that exhausting version of yourself hurts a lot more. I agree. Here's a question that I have, especially Barry, just kind of like listening to some of the things you learn in therapy, right? And, and even the same thing for you, Keyshawn, of like, we, we put these personas on ourselves, right? How much of that do you guys think is like a big portion, at least I would say, driven by social media and what you see and thinking that you have to be like something that you see on social media, right? Like, I feel like a lot of people more than half, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. I feel like a lot of people just you see you see on social media something, and you're like, if I don't if I if I don't have that, if I'm not that, then you know I'm this type of person, or I don't have, or something. I just feel like that's a huge portion of where like this current generation struggles with when it comes to just having confidence, because you're always comparing yourself. Right. To, to other people or something online. And, and most times that's not true, right? Like I, I post online, but 95% of the time I post online is like the great things, but like, you don't well, see the struggles behind it, right? But like, see, that's, that's the answer to your question. Yeah. Like we have to know that about other people too, right? So right. I'm comparing myself to other people. Um, we talk about this in therapy all the time. They're always going to show their best selves on social media, right? And we are, so we're comparing our full lives to their only their outside best self in that moment. So of course, like we're going to be in, in awe or insecurity by people who are just presenting what they want you to, to see. It's funny, you know, recently I decided to take some time off of Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat. And I just kept, uh, I kept LinkedIn thinking that that would be so much better. And it's even funny, like even like seeing like people back at home, like, you know, get different jobs you're like oh wow like why and then you're comparing yourself at work based on their job so it's like everywhere i think it's online period we have to be careful about you know it's always a balance um i don't think that you know social media is is we should get rid of it altogether but you have to almost you know self-manage your expectations when it comes to you know what you're on it for and and have self-regulations at how often times you consume it um and not just social media, but this is something I talk about in therapy a lot, but we are all raised by, you know, these concepts and messages from our parents and our friends and society and social media that like, this is how life should be. And this is how people should behave. And so if you're upset because you got promoted and your boyfriend or girlfriend didn't send you flowers, then you're like, well, you're supposed to send me flowers. They get promoted, but that, but they didn't do anything wrong. That's your expectation of them. You expect that they should be getting you flowers because you saw on social media that somebody else got someone else flowers for their promotion. And so a lot of the times you're not hurt by the person, you're hurt by your own expectations of who that person should be because of what you think they're supposed to be because of how your parents or the media or the TV shows you watch taught you that they should be. Um, so yeah. that yeah. That's, we're not keeping up with the Joneses anymore. You're <laughs> keeping up with the entire world, you know? Right. Right. Kardashians, right? Like those aren't reasonable expectations of what everyone should look like or how much money they should have or the house they should live in. Like, and to put that in your realm is hard. Right. But it's, I think I'm so happy you mentioned TV shows, Barry. It really is like anything we consume, right? I think people just assume that it's social media, but, you know, I was talking to my therapist recently about our mental health day and I'm like, I want to do something that, you know, will, will be good for my mental health and self-care. And it's funny, I told him, I'm like, you know what, I might just lay in bed and watch TV all day, right? Like something like that, it seems so like, you know, good to be lazy, not a lot of, you know, energy. But he was, he had, he had a good point, like, you know, some of the stuff that you consume, even in, on television, like you compare yourself to them, right? Like we do it even subconsciously sometimes. So it's kind of like you have to, something that I've learned with myself is really, becoming and this is gonna sound so corny but becoming more in tune with like nature right like you know we're at home right so why not take your dog out for a walk you know keep your phone at home 
go take your dog out for a walk and just see what's going on around you, right? I would I would go to YouTube on lunch and like Google stuff and like watch, you know, snippets of like the view and stuff. And like you're, anything that you consume, I think we always see like where our, where our lives fit into those spaces. And I think that that's just always a, a continuously, you know, a, a continuous cycle. So for me, it's about self-regulation, knowing when to turn it off, knowing that, you know, I can be disconnected from the world without the world exploding and about me being completely off the grid. Um, and sometimes that's just necessary. It's so true. It's just literally, this is a funny story, but I have always been obsessed with Gilmore Girls. It's my favorite show. If you know me, I'm always watching that. What? We got no idea. It's <laughs> but I was talking to my therapist and hopefully she never hears this, but I don't have the best relationship with my mom, right? And part of the reason why I watch Gilmore Girls is because of that mother-daughter perfect relationship. And I would always watch it and I'd be like, I want that. I want to have that. Why don't I have that? And eventually my therapist is like, I think you should take a break from Gilmore Girls. Like if watching Gilmore Girls keeps you thinking, I wish I had that. First of all, nobody has that. It's a fictional TV show. No mother-daughter relationship is as perfect as Gilmore Girls. But if that's instilling this these feelings for you that keep making you upset, watch something else for a while. So I literally haven't watched Gilmore Girls in a month and anyone listening to this that knows me well will be like shocked to hear that. But literally my, I haven't been upset about that, that thing that usually makes me upset from just watching a fake TV show. Just the little things that we consume that really like trigger our thoughts. It's crazy. I think it's that as well. And I, I think this is so funny because like talking to you guys is like make me think about things that my therapist said, like I'm like, oh. It just went off. <laughs> but like like when you consume all these things so like the one conversation that we had uh and this was probably like a month and a half two ago with my therapist and i was like i walked away from that meeting that was another i feel like i walk away from a lot of my therapist meetings i'm just going apologizing to my wife um but like from that one he was like he's like you start to consume these things and you compare yourself to other people but then it, it starts to make at least for me it made me like create these rules in my head, right? And so I go back to like, very like how you said, oh, if you get a promotion, then you're supposed to get flowers. And if that person didn't get you flowers, those are like rules in your head that you like, you, you are creating these rules that like no one else knows, right? So like we, we were talking about how there'd be times where I would get frustrated with Jamila and then I don't know how to communicate it with her. And then he just simply asks like, does she know what the, is the initial issue is? And I'm like, well, she should know, right? He's like, no, because you made that up in your head. Like that's a rule that you made that she doesn't know that rule. And so you're like judging her and getting upset or frustrated or sad or disappointed, whatever that emotion is on something that you made in your head that you haven't even shared with yeah, her. Yeah, people can't read your mind. If you want right. flowers when you get promoted, you should tell your partner, hey, if I ever get promoted, I'd like you to get me flowers, right? Exactly. Like you have to show people what your needs are. And I have a question like, like, do you want it because you like flowers or do you want it to post it on Instagram? Right. Like right. check yourself. Yeah, yeah, like the, the, the- Check yourself, I like it. That's Although, that should be the title of this episode. <laughs> Check yourself, I love it. But yeah, I mean, that, that, that's interesting because that's, I feel like that's that's a huge part of it, right? What you consume, you create rules, and then when those rules are not met, then there's an emotion that's tied, attached to it, at least for me. And I've learned that like, I don't share the rules, right? Like I have the rule book and I'm like, nah, you can't see the rule book, but you, you need to adhere to all the rules. It's like, like yeah. doing your taxes. Like, hey, we're not going to tell you what you owe, but you have to figure it out. And if it's wrong, you go to jail. Like, right. it's literally like, <laughs> I have these rules in my head. I want you to be, I'm not going to tell you what they are, but try to guess. And if you do it wrong, I'm going to be pissed at you. It's the same yeah. thing. It's and funny. The, I were, and Callie would appreciate this. I love the housewives. And I know every city, every character, every tagline. <laughs> And similar to you, Barry, I actually had to stop watching it because I would watch these like seemingly like glamorous, like rich lives. And like, I would go into like a spiral of, oh, like, will I ever be able to like live in a mansion and have, you know, the perfect friends and this type of drama. And then I would, you know, go into, well, maybe not because I'm gay and that will affect that. And, and all this stuff that probably was not meant to be a response to the show, I found myself thinking and then getting depressed and then getting upset and and you do sometimes have to just cut it off and and I haven't watched any of the new I know Callie she's looking at me like what's wrong with you I don't know what's going on I am gonna watch Potomac when Potomac comes back but yeah I haven't watched anything else in any other city oh <laughs> 
that is shocking to me. And you're right. Like I probably should turn it off, but I think I also have a different opinion on it a little bit in the fact that like I watch these women and I'm like, God, I may not live in a mansion, but my life's a hell of a lot better than theirs. That's a good viewpoint. Yeah. I mean, but the, the wealth thing is certainly something I could probably cut off. Cause like I'm obsessed with money and the rich and famous, like I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like I'm into it. Anytime I'm like exposed to any level of wealth, I'm just like, I belong here. <laughs> I'm a member of this country club. This is where I belong. I deserve to be in first class. What? Yeah. Oh it's a hard thing to like cut off. And I think you make a good point. Like sometimes you have to stop consuming that stuff. Like let yourself just be in the world you're in and be content and happy with what you have. Because I certainly have a lot more than a lot of people. Nothing else. This time should remind us of that. Like you're like, no matter who you are, you're better off than somebody else. And you need to like, think about that and appreciate what you have every day because it's a word, no. it's a word, Tally. It's a word. It is. It's it, like so. Like listening to this, it, I'm a I'm a I'm a huge perspective person, right? Like I'm always like, oh, like look at it from this perspective. I think one of the things that I'm blessed with is again another shameless plug. I, I don't even care, whatever. I love my <laughs> yeah, I love my wife. Right? I love listen, your wife. Your too. wife better be listening to this podcast when it comes out. If she don't, I'm like, dude, I, I straight shameless plugs like forever. Um, but like, I, I, so I love my wife. I love our family. And I love the fact that they're so focused on family, you know, and it's like kind of hearing Callie, what you're saying and like the, the whole wealth thing and you're better than someone else. And like listening to like the, Hey, we listen to like, I watch these shows and sometimes I got to be detached from it. It's interesting because, you know, Jamila's dad was the, he's like, he was, he was a big way. He was like VP of, of L'Oreal and like very wealthy, well, you know, accomplished man you know and so he always like talks about just like living in the present so like every time we always hang out we're, we're having drinks we're talking but he always like constantly says like live in the present live in the present and he's like you don't know the value of what you have until like until it's gone or until someone like points it out but like I bring that up to say like the wealth piece of it it's funny because he all he consistently says like I'm jealous of, of what I see right now in your life and I'm like how dude like you are a multimillionaire. like you travel the world like you you've done so much like how could you be jealous and he's like I spent all my time working he's like and now that I see your daughter and you spending time with your daughter he's like I would trade all my money in the world for that he's like mm-hmm. but I didn't live in the present like right I was living in a I got to make money and, and I had same thing he said I had to have I had these rules in my head and I had to do that he's like so as I'm seeing your daughter grow up He's like, those are things that I've missed with my kids. So I look at your daughter and I'm thinking I'm living through you wishing that I would have been there for my kids, right? And it's like interesting because like you created an amazing life for your kids, like just an amazing life. So it's that perspective of like, yes, they have things that we quote unquote want, but I I think Callie for what you say is like, it's true, right? Like, like that's great, but like I have it better than some of those people when you live in, in the present, in the moment. And in that time, and I think that's something huge that I didn't learn from therapy. Like Jamila taught me that, and her dad taught me that. But it is something that I, I try to like live by, just like live in the present, live in the moment, enjoy. Yeah. It, you know that. Yeah. You, know, you think about you know all of us in therapy or just adults in general. You know, I wonder how often they're talking about how much money they had growing up, or what they what toys they had as a kid. Chances are they're talking about you know that quality time. Like that is way more important in the long run in terms of mental health, I think, than having, you know, more money in the bank. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. Money is great. Money is great. <laughs> but once we get to our deathbed, which we all at some point will, sorry, take a turn for the, you know, <laughs> the worst. I mean, we're going to remember what the experiences, the memories, like, like, I think that John, I agree with you hundred percent that that's like the perspective that I'm taking on now, right? Like, I'm not going to remember, you know, the job titles that I have. I'm not going to remember the, the apartment or townhouse that I lived in. I'm going to really remember who impacted my life, whose life I was able to impact, and those fun memories that come along with life. So I think that is that mindset that I've been having, you know, the past couple of months has really improved my anxiety, right? I'm not chasing after something all the time. 
Um, and it's really bit made me kind of a better worker, right, Barry? A better, um, you know, <laughs> you should be like, I don't know about that, but just make <laughs> just overall more at peace with with who I am and what I have and and what I've done so far. It's a good episode, guys. Good episode. I might cry after it, honestly. I don't know how you're gonna shut this down. I mean, we talked the whole hour. I don't know how you're gonna, you know, yeah. take it out. <laughs> I know. We'll have to. I'll have to figure that out a little bit. Put on your iPad. It's irrelevant anyway. Make sure you leave in all my shameless plugs. I'm not sure. I will. I will. Right. You're talking about your wife. I'm talking about Apollo. That just shows you where my life is at. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Well, thank you guys so much for, for coming on. I, I mean, I'm being really open. Like these conversations are hard enough to have as it is, but putting it out there to your coworkers um, is, you know, even more of a different thing. So I think it just benefits everyone in the long run, the more we talk about it and the more people we have on here, like, again, we don't have a billion listeners, but if one person <laughs> listens and is like, well, all these people have come on and talked about therapy or talked about mental health, and maybe it's not so scary. Maybe it is something I could try then. Hey, it's all worth it in the long run. Let me email Michelle Obama and get her on the podcast. Oh my gosh. I wouldn't, I don't Perfect think I could like physically like do that. I would be, I would be a guest host for that. Just that far. Oh I, my God. I, like, I, uh, I love her so much. I wouldn't be able to like, she's like, okay, what's your first question? I'm like, I wouldn't be able to. Can we be best friends? I know, right? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I'm like, oh girl, let's talk. <laughs> Any like final words to, to say to your fans before we say what would you tell someone what would you say to someone listening who's still hesitant to go to therapy I would say very simple ask, ask questions right like I, I'm a very op- I'm an open book for the most part um in a lot of ways ask questions talk to someone it doesn't have to be me if you want to reach out to me that's fine but find someone that has benefited from therapy and, and it doesn't have to necessarily just be going to talk to someone uh, you know, my therapist talks to me about a lot of other therapies like drawing and coloring and meditation and, and all kinds of things, right? So there's a lot of different ways to get to your desired um, place, but talk to somebody. I mean, like educate yourself, talk, talk to people that have been there um, that you feel comfortable talking to. Um, yeah, that, that's what I would say. Yeah, I say, listen, there is no right answer to this. Do your research. You know, education is, is everything. Um, you know, you can always try it out. And, and just because you have a, a person that you, you know, found, you don't have to stay with that person. It's always trial and error in this. There's no exact science. It's more of an art probably. Um, so yeah, I think just doing your research, taking accountability for yourself and your life and taking the leap. There's a and reason if, if we, hate it, we keep you having you guys on. <laughs> if, if you hate it, you can email me, John, Callie, and Barry and say, you guys were wrong. And that's you. <laughs> Actually, leave me off that. I don't need Listen. to be cc'd. Listen, if you eat, if you send me that email, I'm gonna invite you to a drink, and then about six drinks in, I'm gonna ask you how you feel about it, and I guarantee you, the truth <laughs> <laughs> will come out. Then this is how I really feel. Uh, <laughs> I love it. All right. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Right, Deuces, Barry.